We have a new website. It's a little different. I got tired of people jerking us around on oh, so many places and ministries and uh, not allowing the Word of God to be taught. And uh, that might surprise you, but it is a dangerous thing that is happening. God predicted before the Lord comes there would be a famine for the Word of God. It's in the book of Amos. And boy, do we have that today. In my opinion, it's the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. That's what we need. I come to hear the word of the living God. I know what it can do in changing lives. And I hope that what you hear tonight will be just a taste of what it can be. The new website is hftmedia.org. hftmedia.org. Dot org. We own it, and all of the pictures on it are pictures we took in Israel. And uh, so it will be a blessing to you. And we have on that site the entire series on Revelation. Uh, I've taught it four times. When I first wrote a book 30 years ago, it was called Coming World Leader. It had 280 pages, and God blessed it. But I got frustrated with it. I felt there were a lot of things we didn't comment on. And so we have a new book, a hardback, uh, called Revelation, Understanding Revelation. And it now has not 280 pages, but 576 pages. Now, I brought them here the last time I was here, and they all got sold out before some of you could even get to the table. We have some more tonight, and uh, I hope that you'll take advantage of it and study the Word of the Living God. Also, that brand new book, you're the first people to ever see it, Biblical Counseling. That'll be back at the back uh, table also. On this new site, we have not only Revelation and some other series, but we have the entire book of Isaiah. Isaiah is in two parts. In verses 1 to 30, or chapters 1 to 39, it's about judgment. And it ends in chapter 39 with a rebuke from the prophet Isaiah to Hezekiah, who invited all these Babylonians to see everything he had. And now he learns that God will judge him for that and that they will all go to Babylon which happened in 586 B.C. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple of Solomon was burned to the ground. And by the way, some people don't notice the little tiny lines in that story, one of which was all the houses in Jerusalem were destroyed. Everything. That's what the book of Lamentations is all about, five chapters. The actual title is not Lamentations. It's like, ah! <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's, that's a Hebrew word for how. And right away, how, Lord, could you let this happen? That's the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. 
But in chapter 40, everything changes. My rabbinical friends call it majesty. Chapter 40 to chapter 66 is about the wonderful blessings of our coming Messiah and Lord, as well as God restoring the nation of Israel to they will be the superpower of the end time. Hello. And if you're like me, I get tired of hearing all the United Nothings say they hate Israel. Oh, excuse me, United Nations, I'm sorry. They hate Israel. They can't stop having resolutions against. But did you know that <laughs> just recently, uh, I, I about cracked up laughing when I saw it, the United Nations publishes every year the top economic countries in the world. And number one was Israel. And the most valuable currency in the world is the Israeli shekel. Unbelievable. They went on and on. And to their great embarrassment, they announced that 120 countries in the UN are now doing business with Israel. God meant what he said with all his wonderful promises. Well, what I want to do for you now is take you to that opening chapter. Take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. One of the most wonderful chapters in the entire Bible. The title we've given is the words of the first verse. Comfort my people. Well, I don't see that coming out of a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but who believe that somehow the church has replaced Israel. No, it hasn't. God has never forsaken and forgotten his people. May God help us to understand. I'm so concerned about it. This spring, on May the 19th, is the celebration of the 70 years of the nation of Israel. So, I decided to write a book about Israel, everything that's in the Bible. That's a big subject, 2,566 times it's mentioned. And so I, I'm writing a book right now, should be out in another month or so, called Israel Celebrating 70 Years. Wait till you see it. I hope you'll rejoice with me about it. You have your Bible open? This is what God wants you and me to understand. Comfort. Comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem or Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, why, she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. 
Every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Now that's only the first eight verses. And I want to go to verse 14 before I take another break. Oh, Zion. I was on a plane. The guy sitting next to me um, was wearing a coat that I knew the company had just been bought by Israel. And so I turned to him and I said, oh, I see you're a lover of Israel. He said, no, I hate them. I hate the Jews. I said, boy, I bet you're glad that I've become a believer in the Messiah of Israel. Why? Well, because what you just said, I thought about getting an Uzi and blow you off the plane. <laughs> he then called for the flight attendant to get uh, another seat on the plane where he could move. Listen, I see it all the time. We got church after church. They tell us now in North America, close to 90% of them believe that the church has replaced Israel, that they no longer are part of God's prophetic plan. You better read the Bible again. God's never canceled what he calls an everlasting covenant. If it's everlasting, then it's an oxymoron to say it could ever stop. Amen? Verse 9. O Zion. There are people who say, well, I thank God I'm not a Zionist. Well, if I were you, I'd be a Zionist because God is one. And the word Zion is used 154 times in the Bible for the city of Jerusalem. Oh, yes. There's a Mount Zion in the hills of Jerusalem. O Zion that bring us good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bring us good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand. His arm will shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. That's quoted at the end of the book of Revelation about our Messiah, our Lord himself. That's who they're talking about. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, 
and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who had directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? And the answer is no one. He knows everything. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2, verse 3. So I want you to understand the comfort that God wants you and me to give to his people Israel. And I dare say there are folks in this audience who need to know that he's the God of all comfort. Amen? That he knows what you're going through better than you do. He knows how it's going to turn out. Like a lady who came up to me at one of my recent meetings and she said, I could hardly believe it's you. I said, what? She said, you're still alive. <laughs> I've been thanking the Lord for your death for years. Well, there are seven David Hawkings in America, and one of them did die. And I had to go on the radio and say that the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I'm still here. God must want me here for some reason. Maybe because some preachers are not loud enough. And I've been using a soft tone so far. But we can get louder as many of you know. So I'm going to show you the comfort of God in several simple ways. You can jot it down if you want or get the tape or video of it later. But let's start by seeing the comfort of God in his infallible word. That's verses 1 to 14. 1 to 14, thank God. Romans 15, verse 4, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I don't know about you, but I really thank God for Donald Trump. I, I pray for him every day that he'll learn to clean up his talk and get off of that dumb Twitter stuff. But I'll tell you, I was shouting glory <laughs> when he announced that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel. And now this past week, Vice President Mike Pence, boy, do they like Mike in Israel. There were signs saying, Pence for presidents. <laughs> but Mike said, we're moving the embassy next year. You can count on it. And the whole Knesset just went excited. 
Well, let me tell you why God's word brings us all comfort and hope. I don't know how people have hope without the word of God. It astounds me. So let me tell you just quickly what it does. Number one, it proclaims forgiveness. You can put it up there on the screen. It proclaims God's forgiveness. Wow. Her warfare is accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. She has received of the Lord's hand double for her sins. Everybody wants this world to be judged. I want you all to know they have been by God more than anyone else. This might surprise you, but Jerusalem has been destroyed 158 times in human history. And God says, I have judged her. There are 39 chapters that tell you the story. Now, I want you to know that I forgive her. She's still my people. And God says it several times. Wow. Not only proclaims God's forgiveness, but you talk about comfort and hope, it also prepares God's glory. In verses 3 to 8, the voice of him that cries, you know these words if you know your Bible, are used of John the Baptist, amen? Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway. He talks about every valley and every mountain. It's all going to be changed, but listen to this one. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh will see it together because the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You can count on what God says. At the end of that, he says, the grass wither, withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Thank you, Lord. But there's something else. When you talk about how it prepares God's glory, we see that it's through the messenger who cries in the wilderness. And as we know, it was a reference to John the Baptist with Matthew chapter 3 and Mark chapter 1. They tell us that story in great detail. John the Baptist. There's coming somebody, I'm not even worthy to bend down and untie his shoe latchet. It was John who said, he, our Lord Yeshua, he must increase, I must decrease. No wonder our Lord said there's never been a greater preacher here on earth than John the Baptist. But it was not only through the messenger who cries in the wilderness, but it's through the miracles of God's power. Every valley will be exalted. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked made straight. Rough places plain. Folks, there are going to be topographical, geological changes like many of us can never expect or understand. 
There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And where we will be, we will dwell in righteousness, the Bible says. There will be no more evil in the world. And the one who sits on the throne of David is the Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Now, if you have a Bible handy, turn to Revelation 19, verse 16. I want several of you to look at it. Revelation 19, verse 16. And in that verse, we learn that the name of our Messiah is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I was sitting in a class in Revelation in college, which means it was back in the Dark Ages. But anyway, I was sitting there and we were going over chapter 19 and we got to verse 16. I had a Greek Testament with me as well. I looked it up. You see, it wasn't just capital letters. They're what we call unctuals. Bigger than normal capitals. King of kings and Lord of lords. And I thought to myself, I wonder if other English versions of the Bible recognize the power of that one verse. So, who has a King James Version, the old one? Just raise your hand. Okay, uh, how about, ma'am, right on the aisle there in the blue dress? Read it for me. Out loud. Revelation 19, verse 16. King of kings and Lord of lords? Were they giant letters? They were. Who has a new King James? Over here. Would you read it, ma'am? King of kings and Lord of lords. Are they big letters again? They are. Who has a new international? You're NIV positive. Who is there? Anybody have a new international in the audience? Where? Would you read it, please? Revelation 19, verse 16. Are they giant letters? They are? They aren't. Did you hear that? Um, I think you can buy an old King James out in the book room. <laughs> There's a lot more reasons I would say that. I'm familiar with the general editor of the New International Version. I've talked to him a long periods of times about what, it, what they did. He was forced to do it, and uh, he did not do accurate translation. Uh, there's a lot of interpretation. And uh, Okay, who has another version? English, what do you have? A what? New American Standard Bible. Yes. Read it. Revelation 19.16. And I saw at his side, he had the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
Are they capital letters? Big ones. All right. Anybody have another one? English version. Anything? Some of you after the NIV. What, what kind is that? Well, that's King James. Yeah. Well, read it to us. And, on, and he had on his garment and on his thigh a name having been written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Are they big letters? They're huge. They're huge. All right. God bless you. You got the right Bible, huh? Well, let me tell you a third thing. Talk about the infallible Word of God and how it, in fact, proclaims forgiveness and prepares God's glory, not only by the messenger who cries in the wilderness, but also through the miracles of God's power. That's in verse 4. And a third one is through the manifestation of God's glory to the world. The pastor is doing a wonderful study in the Gospel of John. Are you still in the Gospel of John? Amen. Praise the Lord. On Sunday morning. Wow, you want to be here for that. I finished John just a couple of years ago and all those chapters. And I called it The Glory. The whole book of John, The Glory. Because we know in the Gospel of John, these words in John chapter 1. And we beheld his, what? Glory. glory. As of the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. Praise the Lord. But here's a fourth one that ended our study. Through the mouth of the Lord. It says, for the mouth of of the Lord has spoken it. It's a done deal. Oh, one more thing. The message about grass, put it up there. The message about grass and flowers. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I hope you read God's word every day. Get started by reading the word of God. I believe in that. And uh, my wife and I, we try not only to read the Word of God in the morning, but also we read it at night as well. I need to know God's Word, not the Grammy Awards. <laughs> Hello? Now this one really hurts. I need to know the Word of God and not the Pro Bowl. Ooh, that one hurt. That one hurt. <laughs> Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Praise the Lord. Well, we learn that the comfort of God proclaims God's forgiveness. It also prepares God's glory to be seen by the entire world, and there's a lot coming. But number three, it provides God's care. In verse 9 to 11 of chapter 40, beautiful words. O Zion, don't be afraid. 
Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. I love to go to Jewish writings of long ago. I have a huge library of it. So I checked every last one of them on this. Guess what? Every single writer said the arm is the Messiah. Wow. Let me look at that again. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall do what? Shall rule for him. That's the Messiah who will rule and reign over the entire world. And then it says, his reward is with him and his work before him. A direct quote then is found in Revelation chapter 22 about our Lord's coming, that his reward is going to be with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. I shall not what? He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. And when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You see, my friends, the infallible word of God also provides God's care. Thank you, Lord. And uh, it's proclaimed as good tidings, I notice, in verse 9. It's predicted for the second coming, the Lord God shall come. And it's presented by an illustration of a shepherd. But there's a fourth thing it does, and that is it praises God's understanding. Let's look again at verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Question mark. And the answer, no one but our God. Wow. Verse 14, with whom took he counsel? Who instructed him? And that's used also in Romans where we read the wisdom of God is so great, his counsel so vast that no one that he has created has ever come close to what he knows. Isn't it amazing when we come to prayer that God already knows <laughs> what we're going to say or what we're not going to say. He knows it all. And I love to be in a prayer meeting where some folks are new to it and they try to inform God. <laughs> Lord, I want to pray for Mary. You know, she lives down there on Dawson Avenue in about the fourth house in Hey, God knows all about her. The Word of God 
praises God's understanding over and over again. I love this verse. Just keep reading. Verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as what? Nothing. So when I say the united nothing, I'm actually biblical. Amen? Wow. In verse 12 to 14, I also see the inability of any person to know what God knows. Amen? Boy, is that in, so important. We find here the following things. One, the inadequacy of man in measuring what God has created. He says, who has measured? No one has. Secondly, the impossibility of measuring the heavens. The span is the distance between the thumb and the little finger. Did you think you could measure the solar system with your little hand? Uh-uh. And the incapability of all human measuring systems. Can you comprehend the dust of the earth in a measure? No, you can't. And the insufficiency of what man has designed. God weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Any of you do that? No. And the infiniteness of God's spirit. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? And the instruction that could never happen by human wisdom is what is in verse 14. Do you understand something? We need the Word of God. And we also see it in the insignificance of the nations themselves. Their abilities can't be compared with God's. It says it's a drop of a bucket. Their actions never affect God's power. He takes up the aisles as a very little thing. Their attempts to honor God and sacrifice can never demonstrate his true worth and greatness. It says in verse 16, they're not sufficient. And their accomplishments, according to verse 17, are regarded as nothing. Wow. Well, the comfort and hope of God is a wonderful thing. But in verses 18 to 31, which is the final part of this chapter, you see it in his incomparable worth. His incomparable worth. In verses 18 to 20, there's a contrast there between God's greatness and the idols of humanity. To whom will you liken God? What likeness are you going to com 
compare with him. And by the way, the creation of the universe as a dwelling place for God should tell us all that we're not on his level. Not even close. In verse 21, he says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. He then mentions the control of God over the leaders of this world. When everybody got excited about the North Korean guy, the threats he's made, the missiles he shot, hmm. you don't really believe that he's outside the realm of the leaders that God controls, do you? I am so glad he controls the Democrats. Are they crazy or what? I know some of them personally. What has happened to their brain? I think they're listening too much to Mrs. Pelosi. I knew they were in trouble when she said to the Congress when Obama was still president that the health care, you don't need to read it. You need to trust me. The woman is crazy. In fact, as you all probably know, she never read the whole thing herself. The creation of the heavenly bodies. Wow! The universe is so great. There are two guys, both in their 20s, who graduated from Massachusetts Institute of Technology and wanted to work for NASA. And they were so happy to have... They were told by the school, these guys are smarter than anyone we have ever seen. So the head of NASA assigned them the subject, how big is the universe? Some of you already shaking your head, you remember the story. It was so funny. They thought they had the whole thing all laid out, and the very day they came to give their report to the uh, head of the NASA agency, on the telescope, they found another little planet. Now, what the article said on the news article, and they're not always, you know, the right news, but anyway, they said that they threw the entire manuscript at the leader of NASA and said, this is impossible. I don't know how big it is, but it's bigger than anybody ever thought. I don't even know if they're still with NASA. Which brings me 
to the summary. Verses 27 to 31. Pick up your Bible if you have it or look on with somebody. If they won't give it to you, then just steal it from them. <laughs> Here we go. Verse 27. You talk about the comfort of the power of Almighty God. Listen to this. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord. My judgment is passed over from my God. He's got too much to do. He doesn't care about me. Verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. What a wonderful promise of God's power. He mentions our failure to apply God's strength. Because we think that God doesn't understand what we're experiencing or because we think he doesn't care about it. How foolish we are. Our faith to accept God's strength is essential. It's based on the nature of God himself. He is omnipresent. He's the everlasting God. He is omnipotent. He never faints and he's not tired. He is omniscient. There's no searching of his understanding. It's not only based on the nature of God, but our faith is based on our need for his strength. His capacity is greater than ours. Our capability is limited. Our commitment must be to wait on the Lord to depend upon him he will answer with either yes, no or wait but he will always answer the righteous in time of affliction and pain we need to wait upon the Lord in the time of temptation we need to wait upon the Lord in the time that we all need to understand his way with Israel, we need to wait upon the Lord. In our pain sometimes of our marriages and families, we need to wait on the Lord. I had a man who's a dear friend of mine for over 45 years call me on the phone, he was crying. I said, what's the matter? I've never heard you cry. 
He said, the doctor just told me that I have cancer and I'm not going to live very long. And I said, well, what does he know? Well, he's got these plaques on his wall. I said, they have no idea what to do. They're going to give you every medication under the sun, and hopefully you'll respond to one of them. But these pills are not what you need, even if you take them. Hello? Well, you know, I need these. I know there's a lot of them here, but I've got a migraine headache. <laughs> Excuse me? The Lord God can remove the migraine completely. He can. They told a relative of ours, a nephew, he's a young man at 40 years old, and they found leukemia, and he'll be dead by the week. It's over. Well, you don't know that. So my wife and I went out to see him. And I took a little olive oil, that's all, a little bottle. And I anointed him. And I prayed and I said, Lord, you're able to completely remove this from him. Uh, doctors, uh, you guys are terrible. Well, we'll see. I love it when they get upset because that's usually when God decides to do something. And within three days, they couldn't figure out what happened to the leukemia. It was gone. He's well now and back at work. Listen, God doesn't do that every time. And why in the world are we upset that we have a serious illness, terminal, and that we're going to die. Well, praise the Lord. You are absent from the body and present with the Lord. Come on. Get with it, my friend. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And one day, we're going to be with him forever. Amen. And if he can make the valley high and the mountains low, I got to thinking it. I know I shouldn't have, but I did. I started thinking about it. And I thought, does that mean that the tall guys, like yours truly, will be short midgets in heaven? And does this mean the guys that have been short all their life are going to be giants in heaven? I don't know, but I know this. God is able to do it, and he is able to do anything. <laughs> he is power. All power is given unto me, said our Lord, in heaven and on earth. Remember what the message started with. Comfort my people. It says, speak comfortably to Jerusalem. The actual Hebrew text does not have the word comfort again. It says, speak to the heart. Wow, how true that is. May we all learn to trust our Lord.
no matter what they say. And I like to tell people, when you go in a doctor's office and he says, you have such and such stage of cancer and you won't live long, you should say, well, doctor, why don't you tell me something I don't know? Because we all are going to die soon. Oh, and by the way, you don't look too good yourself today. <laughs> don't let them control your life. Let he who lives forevermore take control and submit completely to him, no matter what the problem. Wow. A gentleman is divorcing his wife. He calls us on the phone at Hope for Today. He said, I want somebody to pray that this divorce is going to work out real good. <laughs> I said, uh, that's on another channel and on another church. We're not going to pray that. We're going to pray that your divorce won't happen and that you're going to go back to your wife and be the greatest specimen of a man of God that she's ever seen. Exactly what do you believe about the God of all comfort and all hope?